why it's so important to follow your dreams because you don't know what yeses you're holding up by being afraid to run towards your one dream. It opens up so many other doors when you have that faith. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews Okome. So let's get started. While COVID-19 is having an unprecedented impact on the economy, companies like Gusto are still building tools to support your business and your people through the ups and the downs. Gusto offers modern, easy payroll, benefits, and HR to small businesses across the country. They were even named Best Online Payroll by PC Mag. And as a listener, you'll get three months free when you run your first payroll. Sign up and give it a try at gusto.com slash SHP. That's gusto.com slash SHP. Hey, hey guys, welcome, welcome back to the show. It's Nikayla here. Welcome back to another episode. Today in the guest chair, we have one of our side hustle spotlights where I interview a certified side hustler. So Melissa Mitchell is an Atlanta-based self-taught artist who has a love for vibrant colors, unique shapes, and bold dark lines. She attributes her Bahamian heritage, melodic sounds, and the colorful world around her as some of her greatest inspirations. And since February 2014, she has created over 500 original art pieces, painted over 40 larger-than-life murals, and has been featured in various articles, including the Huffington Post, and sold custom pieces housed around the world. Now, more recently, she has brought her art pieces to life by turning her favorite paintings into unique head wraps, pocket squares, socks, bow ties, home decor, and specialty textiles. Launched in 2016, her ABL Creations head wraps have been seen on the likes of Lupita, featured in Vogue magazine, and she had an exclusive partnership with Smitten by Yandy Smith of reality television fame, just to name a few. Last year, her work was also showcased in Essence magazine's My City, My Way Tour Stop in Atlanta, Georgia. She specializes in creating one-of-a-kind pieces for homes, offices, and other personal spaces for her clients. She aims to curate pieces that evoke emotion, and I'm so glad to chat with her today. She has a saying, she says, art has single-handedly changed my life and the way I live it. It's like love. You make what you want. It makes you feel things you don't and you can't always describe, so you're left to just relish in the beauty of it. What passion. I can't wait for you guys to hear this one. So let's go. I am very excited to have the first real and true artist, you know, in the guest chair. This is, (laughs) this is important for me because I think that when you hear about art and you know people who are naturally creative and artists, sometimes you feel like you cannot get paid for your work. And so we're going to dispel that today. So yes. Give us some Mm -hmm. background. Now, I know you attribute often in, I've read your interviews and you talk about your Bahamian heritage, how that's been one of your greatest influences. Tell Mm -hmm. me more. What was your experience? Did you grow up in the Bahamas? No. So, so my story to becoming an artist is always funny. I say, I say I became an artist by mistake. Um, I moved to Atlanta in 2008, 2009. So got here about 10, 12 years ago. And so when I got here, you know, I was adjusting to the weather and all those different things. So in 2014, we had that infamous snowstorm, right? <laughs> so I was like, I'm not driving my car. I can't leave this house, you know, so the lights were going in and out. 
And so I kept passing by this wood that was in a garage. And I was like, that'd be so dope if I turned it into something. So I brought it in the house, kind of meditated on it for a little bit. And I heard God say paint. And people were like, you can hear God. I said, I, that's one of the clearest times I heard God say to do something. And so I took some old like tools and arts and crafts and some black markers, started creating, got on Instagram and say, hey, guys, look what I'm doing. And people were like, LOL, I buy it from you for 50 bucks. I was like, this? I'm like, there's no way you want to pay $50 for this, right? And so, uh, long story short, I buy, I do that about 50 times, um, pay some bills. I even paid my mom's mortgage one month um, as a gift. Um, and I became an artist overnight. And um, yeah, so when I talk about my heritage, I always say that my designs literally come from, from beyond me. I do feel like I'm, I'm living out my ancestors' wildest dreams, um, somebody that, that gave up on their creative side. And then, because I, I just woke up with such like an urge, urge to create. Um, never had physical training of being an artist, never study art. I was always colorful and out of the box, but never would I imagine having a full career and a global brand um, back me with all the things that I do. So um, I am a classic case of following God's voice and just never, never looking back. <laughs> wow. So you essentially started side hustling um, yes. by accident. Oh, definitely side hustle. You, you work full time, right? You still work yes. full time. I still do. Mm-hmm. So what was your initial career path before this artist calling came to you? And what, what has been your full-time job before you started side hustling? So I'll take you all the way back to even when I was little. Um, all I wanted to be was a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader and drive a yellow BMW. <laughs> um, that's what I wanted to do when I was younger. And so I went off to FAMU. I majored in public relations. Um, I minored in graphic design. And then I got my master's in public management. And so while I have a passion for, you know, things that are exciting, I also have a huge passion for the community. So I ended up in a career of nonprofit um, grant development um, and eventually doing business analytical work in IT. So at the time um, when I got this artistic side hustle bug, I was working every day, you know, going to my job and I would look around the office and I say, you know, is this what I want to do for the next 20 or 30 years? Like going to an office, coming home. Literally, it was like I could, I could close my eyes and make it home every day because it was just so routine. And so in the middle of my artistic awakening, I kept asking God, what is my why? It had to be bigger than, you know, going to a job, performing, and giving them all the best of me and only giving myself two or three hours and then go to sleep for the night. And so I think my process of developing my side hustle, it just made me feel so much more alive. I mean, even yesterday, I was up to one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, developing a new series for a hotel after working nine hours at work. You know, it's like it gives you this supernatural power to create and to do things. And so um, I love to say that my side hustle is my full hustle because I, I, I have two careers working simultaneously. And um, it really, really uh, empowers me and gives me supernatural strength that I didn't even know I possessed. So how did you go about setting it up, though, after that initial interest where you're creating these things that people are like, I'll buy them off of you. Then right. did you create an Etsy shop. Did you set up a website? What happened next? So I, I did a query. I'm a, I'm a Google queen. So, you know, I work in IT already. So I wasn't really a novice when it came to the computer, but I built my own website that night. Um, I learned between Shopify and Wix and Wix gave me uh, more options that I liked. And so set up a store on there, figured out how to sell the art. And by the next day I had a link that said, buy here. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I taught myself how to do it. Um, I, I saved my, the name of my company, protected that. Because one thing I know about it in business, is you always have to protect your ideas even before they become the life, right? So even if I want to say, 
side hustle t-shirt girl, I go ahead and trademark that even if I never use it. I want to make sure that it's protected. And so that's the first thing that I did was I protected my company, um, learned how to do a website. And by the end of the next week, I was already up and running saying, if you want a custom piece, click here. You know, um, so I, I, I taught myself how to do it. And uh, I mentioned before, but my family is my entire uh, board of directors slash uh, team. <laughs> are they also your marketing team? Because who are your first clients who weren't family? How did you? So so my mom is wearing head wraps to church. Uh, my sister is wearing my shorts to different festivals up in New York. Um, my other sister is my publicist pitching me to other magazines and publications. And so everybody has a role. Um, and at the end of the day, we all come home and fulfill orders. We sit and laugh and talk and get in here with this bell you know, shipping things out, but I keep the money in house because I think it's important that everybody knows that we're the fiber of my company. Um, my father passed away in 2010 and he was an entrepreneur and a designer. And he'd always say, we need to sit down and meet. And me and my sister was like, no, we don't need to meet. We have time. And so when he died in March of 2010, we were like, oh my God, we don't have time. You know? So we were like in shock. And so after that happened, I think that kind of put a fire under all of us to say, hey, we're all we got. And we need to push these ideas out. So every time one of us has a a big thing, we're all involved. And so ABL Creations has been the family hustle, without a doubt, (laughs) for sure. Now, let's talk a little bit about the repertoire that you have with ABL. So you, you, in your bio, it says you've created over 500 original art pieces. And yes. now, and then you started turning those into head wraps, home decor, textiles, more. How did this evolve? Um, well, in 2000, and well, I, I went natural the same year I started painting. So I think all of that awakening happened when I cut all my hair off. You know, women, you know, they say when a woman is cutting her hair, it changes her life. Oh, yes. And so, so I think that when I cut my hair, it was like, oh, you know, light bulb, I'm changing. But I also had to keep my hair conditioned. Um, so I'm keeping all my juices and berries in and I'm getting calls to shows. I was like, I can't wash this out my hair and I need to go to an art show. And so I had a really dope idea to say, what if I turn my head wrap into fabric I can cover my head with? You know, so I'm still artsy, but I'm still conditioning my hair. And so I did some research again on that good old internet on how to get, you know, how do I get digital designs on textiles? And so I did a couple of queries, you know, reached out to a couple of different manufacturers. Um, finally found the niche that I wanted. And by October 2016, I debuted my first 100 head wraps at my college homecoming and I sold out in an hour. <laughs> uh, I was selling things out of my purse, out of my luggage. I was showing up at events. <laughs> I mean, they were like, Melissa got the head wrap going. I'm in like a suit at convocation and I'm like, pass the head wrap down to the lady on the end. And she's like, I'll cash at you when I get a signal. And so um, I literally sold out that day. And people were like, oh my God, I didn't get a wrap. And so I had to immediately make a call and say, hey, the ones we just did, let's do 500. And so I was doubling and tripling my orders by the end of the year. I had sold probably easily 1,000 the first year. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. And then when you made these, so you, you mentioned that you re-upping your order. As someone who had no experience, no background in this, the first time you came up with a design, how did you know how much inventory you wanted? Well, I, see, I have a very unique way of doing things. I never over-order. Um, I'd rather it be in demand than me to be in the red. And so even when I re-up and say now I'm back in stock, I'm never doing more than 100 or 200 because I'm watching the demand. So if I see the, see the Melissa head wrap is doing really well and the, you know, and the Melanie head wrap may not be, when I go back to reorder, I'm kind of gauging like, oh, I love the one with the pinks. I sell the ones with the pinks are selling. So I kind of gauge my consumer engagement. And, and everybody knows me. If you go on my page, I always have something on. And I have learned that people are very visual. So if they see me wearing it, they want what I have on. 
So I'll purposely wear a design that's not as popular to make people want to buy it. All of a sudden, <laughs> a, all of a sudden, it's the number one seller. Like, oh, girl, I gotta yes. get that rose. Oh, baby, yes. I need that seller. I want that so and so. I'm like, that's so predictable. Um, and so, and so, that's really how I do it. I, I, I like to control the demand. Like, I have one product called a kimono. It's a sheer kimono. It's about six feet long. Um, they retail at about $150 on my website. Um, and when I first came out with them, they're like, you're not charging enough. I said, well, let me raise the price. So I raised it. Sold out an hour. I was like, okay, I'm not charging enough. I, I raised it again. And so what I learned is people love the drama that I create with that piece, but people also love the exclusivity. So I may only debut a thousand per year. So they know that when they buy that, there'll only be another 999 globally, right? And then in December, I stopped producing it. So if you don't get it between, you know, March and September, then you won't get one until 2020. So these are pre-orders? No, no, no. They're just, I put them out. I don't, I don't take pre-orders because I want the best man to win. I don't want you guys to send me money to ask for these products. I just, I like to see the, the organic, you know, organic hunting type uh, experience when it comes to shopping on my page. I don't want people to feel like, oh, I put $200 down. You know, I already grabbed my piece. I want people to actually come on and engage with the website you know, buy things and really, really be involved. Okay. So this is new to me, this world of art. So I asked because you said, yes. you know, you, you better order by September so you can get it in December. What did you mean by that? Uh-huh. So the sheer kimonos are obviously something you wear during the summertime. Oh, so during the winter, okay. I, I wouldn't produce them in the winter. Got it. So I try to have them by the time summer officially ends. Now that product won't be available until next summer. So, you know, if I'm only producing a thousand per year, you better get yours in now before, you know, they're not being produced anymore. Got and it. then I kind of put that product to rest and I may focus on back to head wraps with a new product that I might release um, during the fall. I really like how smart you are about this. And even with the inventory. So someone okay. like me, I might be worried, like once it's sold out, what if I can't get them back in a reasonable amount of time? How do you make sure that people are not also waiting, you know, 60 days to be able to order again? Like, how do you gauge, how do you balance demand with fulfillment? Um, well, here's the thing. I mean, if, if you want something enough, you'll, you'll put that kind of, you know, you'll, you'll wait. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and that's what I've done is, I mean, I don't have people that are like killing themselves for it, but I do have people that may express genuine interest. I mean, I've, it's been times where I've sold something personal to someone. I say, you know what, just buy my sample. You can just have it. You know, I'm going on a honeymoon. I really want a piece. If I get like a story like that, I was like, Lord, let me just find a way to get this. Out. You know, so I'll, <laughs> so I'll do that. You're like, Melissa, I have a photo shoot with me. It's me, Lupita, and Oprah. I said, oh, you can have a shirt off my back. Just take it, you know? Um, but other than that, I mean, I, I can't, I can't give too, too much, um, you know, special treatment because I want people. So if you, if you wanted something from Gucci and they sold out, guess what? When they Gucci comes back out within 2020, you'll wait and you'll buy it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I always want people to say, I am at the same level with the Gucci, the Versace, whoever of the art world. And so I've set that tone, um, with my brand. And so I don't feel pressured to hurry up and produce. Like, I don't want to have a thousand things out there and not feel like I've authentically, you know, put something out into the universe. And so I'm very strategic about when I put items out, how many I put out, um, when I put them out, um, who I allow to wear the brand. Um, so it's very, very hands-on. And that, I think that's what makes a difference with what I do versus other artists, because I'm not chasing after the money. I'm chasing after the influence. Um, I want my brand to be influential um, and be like a paradigm shift. Like you say, I'm changing the way you view art. It's not just, oh, She's selling art at a festival. And so I haven't done any festivals this year for that reason. Um, you know, once you sell Spanx in like Nordstrom, you know, it's hard for you to go down to just being at a festival, right? So I'm trying to make it a luxury artistic brand to where people feel like, oh, once I experience this, 
it's a luxury that I can't just get everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I've done with ABO Creations is to create an artistic luxury lifestyle that people feel like it's not just another, not just another head wrap. It's a one of a kind head wrap. Um, you wouldn't see it anywhere unless you got it specifically from MelissaAMitchell.com. <laughs> yeah. I like that. And I mean, that, that's being real as well. It's like sometimes when you go to a festival, it's like, oh, look at these. You know, it just feels so very like, yeah, you know, yeah. something mm-hmm. people are producing out of their home, but you want to take it up to a level like people know that, no, this is something you get in high-end retailer yeah. and you're not going to find it on in just a sidewalk festival. So, Right. And no, and no, no hating on because I No hate at all. I, no hate at all. Yeah, because I think it's, but I think you, and also as an artist, I'm physically producing art in addition to pushing art. So I have like, I'm like a two, three, four women show. And so festivals are very, very um, daunting sometimes. Yes. yes. Um, and I, you know, I've just had some health challenges over the past couple of months. And I just said, I have to choose me over all of this. So mm-hmm. I'd rather do online sales. I'd rather do face-to-face at small events and galleries. Um, and just sometimes being at festivals, I'll just, you'll look up, I'll be laid out. i say, you right. know what? This just ain't worth it. You know? And so. Exactly. Um, and you know I, what? Yeah. I, I appreciate this and it's not to knock on festivals at all. So let me, let me explain yeah. even further why that stood out to me is because I think sometimes I want all of us to think bigger. So we're accustomed yeah. to seeing yeah. artwork in certain types of places. But when I came across your brand and, you know, the collaboration you have with Spanx, which we'll get into in a bit, that was one mm-hmm. of those times where like you opened up my perspective of what is possible. Yeah. So I think that all yeah. of us should be thinking that as well. Not just like, oh, let me try to do what so-and-so has done before me. Like, no, right. you can go beyond that. The sky's the limit. So let's talk about some of these things. You mentioned Lupita wearing your, wearing your design. Yes. How did that come about? Well, I am, I am a woman of faith and we'll talk about some of that later, but I literally began to, as I made my head wrap, I made a list of women who I wanted to see in my work. You know, of course, the Beyonce, the Solanges, um, you know, some of the actresses of the time. And so before Black Panther even became, came out, they were doing a lot of press runs and, oh, she's going to be a new queen. And this. I said, you know, I said, I've got to get Lupita in a head wrap. And so people are like, how's that going to happen? I said, I don't know. You know, and so one night um, I found her stylist who's um, Vernon, um, found him online. I said, you know, I'm just going to DM him. I said, I've heard no before. If he tell me no, I'm not going to have my feelings hurt. And, feel and, <laughs> and so I DM him and um, I'm thinking, oh, you know, I, you know, you have faith, but then you're like, then I'm human. So I was like, girl, he ain't going to email me back, whatever. And so like a day or two later, he was on another time zone. He said, hey, love your work. Lupita would love it too. I'm like, oh my God, this must be like not real, right? And so he's like, I'm going to link you up with my people. Let's get it shipped out to London. We'll get it in her hands. You know, cool, cool, cool. So ship it out. He sends me a confirmation. We're so proud of you. We love everything you're doing. You know, kudos. I'm like, okay, cool. When is she going to wear it? You know, whatever. And so um, so it's kind of like radio science for a little bit. Um, she doesn't wear it yet. And then I get a DM. He's like, you probably should check your, uh, you probably should check your, your email, right? And so Lupita is in Vogue magazine. I'm <sighs> um, saying, yes, she's saying, I'm, I'm carrying my favorite things. My head wrap is in her bag. She has it on as a skirt. Um, then she has it like in her hand. So she's like, this is one of my favorite things. And I'm like, my thing? Is your favorite thing? Oh my God. You know? And so it was such a testament of just manifesting even your deepest like secret prayers. Like nobody knows you want it to be like, my next big thing is XYZ. And then you're like sitting next to XYZ. And so for that to manifest, that really set in motion my faith to a like higher height. And uh-huh. so that same year, I know, amazing, right? And so that same year, um, I went to Essence Festival 
And so I had all these head wraps in a bag. I was like, you know, I'm going to sell out. I'm selling art. Da, da, da. I get there. I sell one head wrap, no art. And then I have a blowout on Expressway on the way what? home. What? This was yeah, at so I'm like, You were, you were 2000, a vendor? 2017. Oh. 2017, uh-huh. yes. So I'm like, I said, I, you know, I'm flipping Essence Magazine this year. God, you told me this. So I'm like, I'm screaming to God and crying. My mom is like, keep the faith. You know, don't worry about it. And so I'm, I'm saying all this stuff on Instagram. Like, oh, we got to blow out. Yep, guess how much stuff I sold? Nothing, LOL, you know, all of that. So like three weeks later, I get a call. No, I get a DM from one of my friends and say, hey, Essence is coming to Atlanta and you want, they want you to be their featured artist. I said, I'm sorry, who? They were like, Essence Magazine. Um, I'm going to link you in with the director of marketing and the chief editor, um, you know, next week by email. I'm thinking, okay, this can't be real, you know? <laughs> and so long story short, um, I end up being in my city four ways with Essence Festival, with Essence Magazine and Ford Motor Company. I shoot a commercial for Ford. I do all of this content rollout. I'm in Essence Magazine 2017. Um, in the magazine, like it went from me, you know, trusting God to actually seeing myself in a magazine. So it was like a crazy year for me. So I meet the team from Ford. I say, you know, one day y'all gonna give me a car. And he's like, we don't really give our cars. Okay, little face girl, you know, whatever. I said, no, you're gonna give me a car. Don't worry about it. And so fast forward to 2018, um, they ended up calling me back. They say, hey, we're, this is 10 years of Ford being with Essence Festival as a big partnership. So we're calling out 10 of the top female entrepreneurs around the country. You happen to be one of the, be one of the top picks. Can we, fly you, can we fly you to Essence Festival to give a pitch as to why you would need a new car? I said, is that right? <laughs> and so, um, and long story short there, I ended up winning a car in December 2018, a brand new Ford Explorer, fully loaded platinum. Look they had to drive at it. that. I am cheesing. I'm cheesing from yes. here as you tell so, the story. You know, so, I mean, it went from, I mean, I, I literally just created head wraps because I just wanted something on my head. It went from that to a, like a, a, a national global phenomenon. Um, like, wow, she's putting her art on fabric. Wow, she's wearing on a jacket wow, she has pants with her art, you know, and people have seen it before, but because I chronicled my story from just, a, I just created out a place of pain and desperation. Um, and now it's a place of hope um, and prosperity um, for so many others. And so I think that the reason why my story is so unique and my brand is so contagious because it could have happened to you, you know, it could have happened to your husband, it could happen to your daughter. It's not like it's a, it's not, it, it, it's strategically done for me, but it's, it's done for me so I can be a voice and a platform for other dreamers that are kind of like secretly hoping that they will win or secretly hoping that something will happen for them. Yes. Um, and I think ABL creations really represent um, having faith in your, in, your, in your dream, even if your faith is a size of mustard seed, right? Um, it's like, if I have a little bit of faith, I can make it happen. So every time I was up against Goliath type manifestation, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just go for it. And then God was like, watch this. I'm like, oh my God, you know, uh, when it came to Spanx, I was not going to apply for the program. Um, I, I actually put my application in. On, it was like March 26th. It was due March 26th. I applied at 10 o'clock at night. So this was an application for artists to submit a design for Spanx? Yeah. So it was a, con- it was a global contest. Um, I was up against a girl from Paris, um, another young lady, and then it was just me in Atlanta, right? And so... I was telling my sister, I was like, y'all, my stuff is too bright. I don't think Spanx is going to want this. It's just too bright. She's like, nope, we're going to put it in there. Don't worry about it. They're going to want it. You know, not knowing that this year would be all about neon. This year would be all be about like glow in the dark stuff. And that's what all of my stuff was years ago. 
so the painting that I submitted was from 2015. It was hanging in my kitchen. I took a picture of it on my iPhone <laughs> and I added that to my application. Like, no, it wasn't fancy. It was like, girl, here's my application. Good luck. You know, I'm just like, oh, well, they ain't gonna choose me, but at least I tried. Then I get a DM Look from the marketing that. director. <laughs> the marketing director from Spain. She's like, hey, this is Karen. Um, can I get in touch with Melissa Mitchell? Because, you know, people don't know if I'm running my own page. I said, hey, this is Melissa. Why, what's up? You know, I'm like, I'm like typing so fast. She's like, hey, just to let you know, you need to check your email. I want to make sure that it's the correct email. So I send it to her. Hey, congratulations. You're our top, you know, finalist for the global search for the next, you know, uh, Illuminate Her contest. So I'm like passing out, screaming, calling my mom. Um, and so the very next day, my sister and I, um, and one of my best friends, we created my own commercial to think as if I was already a winner. What? And so when I got, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. So you, you just created a commercial. Yeah. So me and my friend, um, he's like one of my guests, um, like my best friends, we create content all the time. So we went to Spank headquarters. I want to say it was like Memorial Day weekend. Um, we went to Spank. So we were so official looking. They were like, oh, you know, congrats. Sir. I was like, thank you. <laughs> And I was like, we're going to get arrested. <laughs> so we went out there and he was like, you know, if you really believe this is yours, own it. So we're like walking up. Cause you know, Spank's headquarters is right there um, in Atlanta, right. right here in well, Atlanta. Actually, I didn't know that. And so, I did not know that. Yes. Yes. It's shop to Buckhead. And so we went over there. Um, we walked in front of like Tom Ford, all the high-end stores. And so I had on one of my wearable art pieces. I had on a head wrap. And so I had an angle to where Spank's was like directly above my head. And so that ended up being the, the picture that was uh, chosen, you know, when I said, hey, our new winner is Melissa A. Mitchell. And that was the picture we used um, that we took on faith. Wow. You know what I love about this story, though, Melissa? It's like, <laughs> I personally am getting a lot from this and I hope y'all are too. But I tend to I have this thing where I feel like I need to not believe something's going to happen or I'm going to jinx it, you know, and that's so against anti every kind of thing about faith but that's how I really think but here you are like yeah. well, I'm going to claim these blessings yeah and I'm going to act like they're already here yeah and I think for me um so I have like a devil's advocate that lives inside me right like what if it doesn't happen and I'm like the other one's like but girl what if it does you know and so even back to the Ford story I had already secured a buyer of my current car he was like, when are you going to get this car? So this is like my mechanic. I was like, I didn't, I didn't win the car yet. He's like, when are you going to win that? So I had everybody else believing my, my victory before it even happened. They're like, well, when are you going to get the car? I said, well, it hasn't happened yet. And so for two years, he was asking, when, when, was, I gonna, when was I going to sell my truck? I was like, I'll win it. It'll be soon. And so this is like, I had no, no contest in I was like, mom, I got to sell my truck. He's asking for it. She's like, you can't sell a car you're driving. I was like, well, I got to win a car first. She said, well, don't go look for a car. Just trust God. And so for like the contest went on for like three or four months. I'm having like check engine lights coming on, a tire acting up. I was like, I need a car. This isn't like a contest. I need a car. And so with activating my faith saying I'm getting a new car, everything around me started lining up for me to get a new car. Right. So it's like my garage was a certain size. It was a perfect size as a new car. Um, you know, the gas mileage, because I lived a certain place, it was perfect for a new car. So everything in my life began to line up with what my confession was. So I couldn't, I was like, I'm too far in now to, to back up from it, right? So I was like, I got to get a car. And so I think that's what's so strategic about being a side hustler. Yes. Is that you have to, you have to say, hey, I want to be a millionaire by, you know, December 31st, you know? And so if it doesn't happen, I'm okay. But when it does happen, this is my plan, right? And so everything is leaning towards this plan. Like you said, we always have a plan B and C, but mm -hmm. I'm so focused on plan A 
that plan B and C begin to dissipate because plan yes. A is, is now the only right route. And right. so I think that's what has happened with me is like, once I got the yes and thanks and forward, all the other yeses I was like praying about, they literally started lining up on their own. Like, like even this pause, like people are finding me out of the woodwork just because I said yes. one yes to two things. And now every yes right. has begun to line up. That's why it's so important to follow your dreams because you don't know what yeses you're holding up by being afraid to run towards your one dream. It opens up so many other doors when you have that. Oh, I'm just like, producer, that is it right there. That is the cool. <laughs> Yeah, cut, yeah, cut. cut Pull the cut, light, drop it. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, that's also yeah. so true in terms of putting yourself out. People cannot find you unless you literally put yourself out yes. there. So yes. a lot of times you will look yes. at people and like, wow, mm-hmm. they're winning, they're shining. But that's because now people right. know, now people Google a certain thing and they come up because they put yeah. themselves out there. You have put yeah. yourself out there. Speaking of that now, but how did you juggle the job? Like, is, is the job not looking at you sideways? Like, wait a second, is she an artist or is she our full-time employee? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't talk about, you know, I'm very, it's just like being in a relationship. Like I'm very strategic about what I share. I'm strategic about what I do. I am such a good employee that it, it doesn't question my loyalty or my work ethic, right? I don't bring my art to work. Um, even when I'm working from home, I'm very like, I can't do anything art-related. And so I'm off. Like, even today, I said, I can't do anything after four o'clock. You know, so I'm very, um, and, and what I, I'm very big on um, how you do anything is how you do everything. And so if I ask God for this overflow and for God to take care of me in a certain way, I'm very strategic and very loyal to what I've asked for. So I said, Lord, I want to be able to juggle this until it's, until it's too much. And so I've asked that, I've prayed that, and I moved that way. A lot of people don't have that kind of discipline, but I think it's teaching me how to it teaches me how to be a billionaire, right? Like I, I wake up at five o'clock every day. If I didn't have to wake up every day, I'd be in the bed at 10, 11 o'clock. And so what I'm doing is I'm training myself to have 12 hour days and still have the stamina to come home and take care of my family. Um, a lot of people do full time one thing and don't know how to shut off. And so when I leave work, I'm off. I give myself an hour, two hours to recharge. And then I'm back in here painting, fulfilling orders. And then we start over the next day. So I can operate off at six hours of sleep and pop right up and get on to the next day. If I was doing this full time, I don't know how, I don't really know that balance yet. And so I'm training my body to have the longevity and the tenacity to stretch the way that it needs to. So I think having a full-time job and another full-time job allows me to stretch my brain capacity um, and even my physical capacity. Um, So I think for me, um, I think it's a necessary balance for me right now. Because um, when I do get married and have the kids, I already know how to, oh, child, you know, I know how to juggle a thousand things, right? <laughs> so I already know how to do it because I've been doing it. It won't be something foreign to me. And speaking of juggling and having a full-time mm-hmm. benefits of it, do you find that being able to invest money from having a full-time, yeah. is, that, is that helpful? When you were starting up, you know, talk through mm-hmm. the early investments that you made and how you were able to fund this whole new business. Well, for me, um, so before I started my head wrap, I say I need to come up about five or ten thousand dollars for production, and so I sold my own. I was um, I was my own investor, so my artwork funded my wearable art collection, and so I would sell artwork, make thousands of dollars, and then put the down payment on my production team and let them do it, and then that money really tripled my initial investment. So it's like a circle of it. So I didn't even really have to use much of my regular day to day money. Um, you know, let's say my salary was six figures. I only had to use a couple of hundred dollars just to buy all of my art supplies. And from that one canvas, I could charge $5,000. Yeah. And then that can turn, you know, and then that can turn into, so, you know, the thing about art is the value that people see in it. I could pay a dollar for a painting from you. I could pay $10,000. It's really all about, Hey, 
I see something in you, I want to do that. So some of the earlier pieces of Basquiat, they sold for as cheap as 50 cents. These are pieces that are being sold now for two to $300,000, up to $150 million. So it's really all about the artistic and intrinsic value that the buyer sees in you and they want to believe in you. So all of my early investors were like, girl, we know we're going to be paid in about 10 years. Because I was selling pieces of cheap for like 25 bucks. I'm like, girl, just buy it. I didn't want to see it. And then I was like, wait a minute. So the stuff that didn't sell, I filled my new house up with it. And then I made them patterns for my, on my head wrapped in wearable art. So the stuff people weren't buying, now that one piece of art you didn't buy for 20 bucks is now a $100,000 piece because I've now, now that piece belongs to Tank. But you should have bought it at that festival that I was dragging around five years ago. And that's one thing I would love for you to, to share a little bit more because you mentioned earlier that you started raising your prices. Is there any kind of guide that you use for that? Like of knowing what no. range you should come in for painting? Um, well, see, I think for me, um, my prices at first, it was like, okay, my light bill is 300. I need to charge 500. If this cost that, you know, but I think after a while I would go to art shows and say, if she can charge 10,000, I can at least charge 1500, you know? So I kind of like gauged it based on what I saw, the effort, like I'm doing a piece for a hotel right now. So these pieces, I said, no less than five grand. It takes me three days to do this. Right. So it's really all about what I choose to demand. Um, and then kind of watching what is going into that market. So if I'm going to like a black festival and I know people are just trying to buy pieces that they can put on a plane with them, I may only charge two, $300 for the smaller pieces. But like in a hotel, these are like people that are coming to buy, buy, like they want to buy things. So I said, they could, they could put $10,000 on a painting and be okay with it. So it's really knowing your market, um, knowing what, what else is in the market and just setting your price and not flinching. Like, Hey Mel, I want to buy a piece. Yeah. That piece is five grand. Dang. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's it. I don't have any, I don't have any, I don't have any replications. I don't have any print. This is what it costs. They're like, oh, okay, well, let me get my money together. And so once you demand that and people see your story online and see what you're doing outside of just art, they're like, yeah, we need to buy one of her pieces because she's about to blow up. People can feel it more than you. Mm. And so now everybody wants to own a part of that story. And I'm really big on, you want to be a party, you better jump on now because it's about to blow up. Hey guys, it's Nikayla here with a quick word from our sponsors. If you have turned your side hustle into an official business, you're probably starting to see that small business owners, we have to wear a lot of hats. And some of those hats are really fun, but some like filing taxes and running payroll, for example, are not so fun. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for small businesses. Fast, simple payroll processing, benefits, and expert HR support all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. Those old school clunky payroll providers just weren't built for the way modern small businesses work. But Gusto is. I've even had Side Hustle Pro guests rave about how essential Gusto has been to their business. So let Gusto wear one of the many hats in your own business. And remember, Side Hustle Pro listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll. Try a demo and see for yourself at gusto.com SHP. That's gusto.com SHP. Taking your business virtual is a whole lot of work and stress, but it doesn't have to be. Acuity Scheduling makes that transition easy. Acuity is a scheduling assistant that makes it simple for traditional businesses to become virtual businesses because it works behind the scenes to fill your calendar. 
Acuity takes hours of work off your plate, giving you the freedom to focus on the most important aspects of your business or side hustle. Acuity scheduling can be used for booking meetings, client calls, podcast interviews, and so much more. Clients can schedule one-on-one appointments or coaching calls with you straight from your website. Acuity also links with video conferencing tools and pulls the video meeting link into your calendar invite so it shares it with your clients. With Acuity scheduling, there's no more back and forth emails to find a time that works or figure out the right time zone. You know all that stuff you end up doing with the back and forth emails. No, all you have to do is show up at the appointment and open up the meeting link. That's it. If you are trying to transition or streamline your virtual business, Acuity Scheduling deals with the day-to-day so you can focus on what's important. And for a limited time only, you can get 45 days of Acuity Scheduling absolutely free, no credit card required, by going to acuityscheduling.com slash hustle pro. That's acuityscheduling.com slash hustle pro. So as an artist, and you've done this collaboration with Spanx. What are some of the considerations you make before granting another brand access to your designs? So right now, I don't even have any art on my website for sale because I'm very strategic about um, my trademarking, my copyright. So I want to sell to people that I feel might try to do something with it or, you know, may exploit it. Um, so I'm very strategic about it. If you call me and say, I, I want to buy some art, I said, what's your budget? You know, where's it going to go? What does art mean? Like, I really, I, I interview you to, it's almost like you're adopting one of my kids. I want to know where my child's going to end up. And so I'm really big on hands-on um, acquisitions with my artwork. Um, like, I was, I had a show with Spanx. She walked in and bought one for the headquarters right off the bat. Now, versus me going to my homegirls and having to convince them to buy something, people you don't even know will come in and immediately believe in you. And so once I saw that, I was like, I can't come down on my prices just because I know people, you know? Um, so I'm setting my prices. Um, I'm increasing the value of the tools that I use. Like my paint is $10 per small bottle. Like everything's going up. And so I have to be okay with not necessarily selling as much art, but still I can sell a piece for $10,000 now and walk away versus trying to sell a bunch of little ones for $100. You know, um, I think a lot of artists get caught up on trying to make their money quickly because they say, you know, the whole thing that artists are starving. Um, I'm not starving. I'm not starving. So I don't just want to eat anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Um, yeah so I want to make sure my stuff ends up in the right home because if it's going to be worth a million dollars I want to I want my stuff to end up with someone that understands art um, investment and really understand what it is to buy a piece of black art from a black woman um, in this day and age and what it came from and the story that I represent um, and the demographic Um, so you know it's it's very it's a very near and dear process to me so I don't want to just sell art just for the sake of saying girl I sold it to some lady on the street you know I want to say, oh, you know, Nicole and her husband bought a piece or, you know, Jonathan and his wife bought a piece. I know exactly where it is. They live in um, Alpharetta. I, know, I can go there and visit it now, you know. So I want to know where the art is, know that it's being taken care of, that their children are able to, to partake in the art and kind of, you know, be a part of, be actively a part of my history being written. Yes. Um, so that for, for me as an artist, I am, I am more, um, I am more committed to the legacy that art is going to create versus just trying to sell art to fill up other houses that I may not know where it ends up. And how, do, how can artists gain exposure as they're, they're coming up? You know, one of the things we love to do on our Color Noir page, like we talked about mm-hmm. before we started the call, is we just love to showcase mm-hmm. dope artists, you know, and mm-hmm. especially ones that are showing us and representing us. But I don't know a lot of places where, and maybe I'm just not tuned mm-hmm. into the art world, but where people who mm-hmm. Black art can just go yeah. and just peruse it and buy. 
Well, okay, so there's a few. I mean, you really have artists, black artists, like an underground railroad at this point because you have to like, well, do you know why she go? You know, I had to be the hair. I had called one of my girlfriends. Um, her name is Tiffany Latrice. She has a female conglomerate of artists, so it's kind of like a safe haven of startup artists um, that are really, really talented. They just, like you said, they don't know where to go. Um, so you have groups like that are popping up, and really, it's all about reaching out to fellow artists and say, hey. I know you don't know me. I don't know you. But do you know where some artists might be meeting up? And it's really all about getting out of your comfort zone. Because a lot of people think artists are going to show up to your door or the right people will show up to your door. You have to just drive around. Um, I know Castleberry Hill. Maya Bailey has a really dope art um, shop there, including in a tattoo place. He has art from all over the country. Um, people come from all over the country to find Atlanta art and they come to him. Um, and so you have places like the Maya Bailey's. You have the Tiffany Latrice with Tila Studios. Um, and you have other artists that are really good. Like, I'm really big on riding around looking at murals, and I'll, like, Google a tag that's on there. Um, one of my good friends, the occasional superstar, his name is Fabian Williams. He's done a lot of, like, uh, political pop art. Um, people like him, you just, and really, we're in the day and age now with social media. There's no excuse not to know where to go as an artist. You're just not doing your due diligence. People ask me all the time, well, how did you get your art on fabric? I, I said, that's a sweetheart. You, go, you have access to Google just like me. <laughs> and so, and I, and I say that because the process of me learning how to yes. do it is what built my character as an artist. So I don't, I don't let people skip the steps. That's a no. Just like your mama said, when you fall down, you need to get up on your own. Um, you have to let people learn the process because in my process of learning how to put art on fabric, I learned so much more. So now I have a computer specifically for Photoshop. I have a you know, computer specifically for photography. Understanding that your files need to be a certain size, you know, to be crisp and clear. Um, cleaning up your art. Because all of my art starts off on Canvas. And then I uh, digitize it and then put it on the computer. So now I'm like, even right now, I'm, in, I'm doing a collection for breast cancer survivors. You know, so it's, it's knowing what to use, what products to use, um, and how to do it. But I think artists just have to really, they have to do the work. A about, lot of times they want to skip the process. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what about pra- best practices for selling your art when you're an artist? Should you just solely do your own website? Are marketplaces like Etsy okay to dabble in? Yeah, yeah. I think I think for you, you have to do a platform that you feel comfortable with. Um, but you've got to get your art online because I don't take people seriously that just walking around with art with no with no website, with no cards. Because um, even if you don't sell your art directly on your website, you still need to have someplace a digital footprint so you can be Googled. You know, nobody knows that Melissa's doing art. She's doing it in her house and then going to sell it to church on Friday. Nobody knows that, right? <laughs> so if you don't have a Googleable, a Googleable, if that's even a word, if you're not on Google and not actively, so I mean, somebody reached out to me from like Barbados. Somebody reached out to me from Legos from Googling me, you know? Um, so you want to be online as an artist to at least give yourself the exposure that you don't even know you're getting exposed to, you know? Um, so you set up this shop on Etsy. Uh, there are other places like Dazzle um, that will create the art for you. Like you could type in, I want a t-shirt for my son and put like a teddy bear with a hat and create a whole line of teddy bears and hats for other little boys too, you know? So you can type in um, print on demand. That's a whole world in itself. Um, print on demand. You can create a whole collection from print on demand. Um, so you really have to learn how to Google and research yourself because you may learn that you, like me, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to have a collection of people just clicking by pillows. Like I want to be able to control my brand. So I'll order stuff from a specific vendor, add my own tags to it. I want to touch everything that I order. So it gets a little bit of my anointing and my little, my little goldenness. So when you order it, you're getting a piece of me literally. And then you're getting my spirit too, 
you know, and I think people need to understand as an artist, you're buying our story. You're not just buying our product. And I think a lot of people just want to sell stuff to get their stuff out there, but without controlling their narrative. And so for me, I'm very hands-on with everything that I create. Um, and that I think absolutely, you have to find a platform that works for you. Some people like festivals. Um, and you can also go to galleries and let them sell them for you. Um, and you can find other unconventional ways. Like, I mean, there are little stores, like a, I forgot this place I call like Bumble. They used to let you, there's a honeycomb or something, but it was like a conglomerate of a bunch of different sellers that came together and you could like sell your stuff on consignment. So there's so many other creative ways to sell your art versus just sitting on the website saying, nobody buy my stuff. Oh, what with me? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So you got to get, like you say, your color noir app. It's a coloring book, but it opens people up to, wow, there's other, you know, she's an artist. She actually has a store. She actually has a website. So now they're on my site buying a head wrap and a jacket, you know, just from seeing me in the app. So it's, it's stuff like that that people need to just expose themselves to. So what's been the most challenging aspect of having this booming side hustle while working full time? I had to give up my whole social life. <laughs> I had to give up my social life. Um, and, it, and it's not something that I'm, I'm regretful about. But like even today and tomorrow, like there's openings that I could have gone to. And like one of my, my girlfriends, um, my girlfriend and my guy friend, it's their birthday party. I think trap karaoke that I can't go to stuff like that. So it's like, it's really sacrificing the fun stuff, right? And knowing when to say no, even for business opportunities that seem great, but you're like, uh, I don't know. So I think the downside for me is just really, really understanding that the sacrifices that I make right now will always be worth it in the end. And so that's really, um, that's really what I've been doing now, just understanding, um, understanding that I can't just say yes to everything. Um, and I have to be okay with being off the scene. Do you have a timeline? of how long you'll be comfortable kind of living this dual life of having a bill, uh, a beer, sorry. ABL, ABL. ABL, I'm uh-huh. trying to be friendly. Uh, okay. I know, it's bad. That's when we go international. Do you have a timeline for how long you want to side hustle? And if so, how are you working towards being able to make that leap? Um, I think for me, I always say when it gets uncomfortable, but I just really feel like it's almost like when you meet the, the man in your dreams or your, your, your ideal mate, you just know when you know. Um, I know even when I did the space thing, I was like, not yet, not yet, not yet. You know, um, it's really understanding that you're financially where you want to be. Of course, I'm saving and stacking and doing other big collaborations. Um, when it just gets to be where I have to say either yes to go to work or go for two weeks to Paris to prepare for Fashion Week. You know, when it gets to that kind of stuff, I'm like, look, y'all, I need to have to take a leave of absence. <laughs> or y'all need my seven, or I need a seventh package tomorrow. You know, um, it's just really, really understanding that if you walk away, you're going to have to work three times as hard, you know, because now I got to come up with insurance, life insurance, you know, that steady check that I might have been getting one place. And financially, I can do it, but it's another level of stress to make sure that you can do it every single month, <laughs> you know? Um, but I'm, I'm almost there. I don't really want to put a number on it. Cause then if I, cause I had August 1st on my wall and you see it's August 5th. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. So I think change of plans, change of plans, change but, plans. but being okay. Yeah. Being okay with being flexible because you know, of course I want to be married with 16 kids by now and I, I don't have that. So it's, the plan, I think, is going the way that it's supposed to um, and just being OK with the with the way that the sliding scale of life right now. So um, I'm OK with the way it's going. So we'll see sooner than later. But one thing about sooner me, I don't, I don't ever advertise what I have going on until it's already in place. So I may have quit my job. And y'all are like, well, why is she always out of town? Like, oh, yeah, girl, I quit back in April. You're like, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, oh, by the way, um, that'll be in the book. And we'll talk to talk about that on Oprah. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I don't ever tell I don't ever tell my plans right. to anybody um, right. because you want to keep in. And that's, I think that's important. You have to protect your vision. Mm-hmm. Find one or two faith partners. But honey, bury that thing, pray on it, and and it's between you, God, and maybe maybe one other person. But sometimes it's really only between you and God. Yep, yep. I was talking to someone yeah. about that the other day, and you know, she just talked about how a lot of times these articles set people up because they interview people, mm-hmm. they talk about their mm-hmm. plans, and they're talking about they're going to do this, that, and the third. And then when they don't, it's a whole nother article about how they didn't do anything. So we just have to talk about what we've done and not what we're about to. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. But um, I, I really appreciate the fact that you've gotten these major collaborations, mm-hmm. done some awesome things, and you haven't allowed it to get to your head like, oh, I'm gone, you guys. Bye. <laughs> oh, you didn't hear about me? Sorry, I've been in vogue. I'm quitting. You know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just like Very humble. Showing up for work yeah. every day and doing your thing on the side. Um, so with an artist, how do you plan out, as an artist, how do you plan out and think through revenue? So I know you can sell paintings and, um, you know, for several thousands, five figures and things like that. But it's also, like you said, you know, doing that consistently at the same level month after month is a little tricky. Uh So is that Uh something you're working to get in place? How do you kind of predict and forecast revenue? So let's say, you know, say my magic number is $10,000 a month, you know, on the low end. Um, I know that would look like I need to sell 500 head wraps or, you know, I need to figure out if that's my magic number a month, what does that look like for me to meet it? And on, on the rainiest of months, how can I come up with $10,000, right? So I think it's, you come up with that magic number and then you have all these scenarios to what it takes to get there. Now I can sell one painting for 10000 and make my revenue boom. I'm good for April. I'm good for May. Or I can go to, you know, and talk to my new, talk to a new business and say, hey, how can I get these head wraps in your store? I'll charge you guys 10 grand. Y'all can sell them for 20. You know what I mean? So it's, it's all about strategically aligning all the things that you do um, to meet that quota. And I think for me, I didn't just rely on being a painter. Um, I am a creator. So yes, I do head wraps. I do kimonos. I do pants. I do jackets. I do shoes. You know, I am an ultimate art hustler. I don't allow the, the non-selling painting to, to discourage me that I'm not an artist. So like you say, you have a you have an app. So I was like, hey, well, what can I do to get on the app? I give you, y'all pay me five hundred dollars. I can have five images <laughs> that are laying around. They're laying around my house anyway. You know what I mean? So it's I'm very strategic, and I don't allow one closed door or one no to direct my future. And I think a lot of artists get discouraged when one door is closed. They're like, oh shoot, I'm not an artist. They don't want to buy it. You know, I'm very resilient. Um, I think my early my early days as an entrepreneur, even before I became a painter, um, I used to sell t-shirts. I sold stuff out of like a, had a fake confine, uh, uh, consignment shop. When me and my girlfriend, we would go around to different stores and repurpose fashion. So we're at a brooch and then charge $10 for Jack would pay 50 cents for, you know? Um, so I've always been in an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mindset. Um, so it's ne- I'm not foreign to getting out there and hustling. Um, so I think for me, I'm a unique case because I do have a business savvy background. I am a marketing um, guru to some degree, and I have an artistic eye. So it's really all about saying, if I want to make five grand, I have to start worrying about March of five grand in January. You know what I mean? Like you have to give yourself two or three months to plan out the amount that you're trying to make. So yeah, what do you hope for ABL Creations to become? Um, I want to be the go-to textile designer um, of color. Um, I don't want to be a black woman because I think I don't, I mean, of course you've seen other designers. I want people to say, I want that design. I want people to look at a whole lineup of designs and say, that's the one we want to represent our, you know, our, our brand. 
Um, and so I want to see my stuff from on billboards. I want to see my stuff on airplanes. I want to see my stuff on shoes from uh, global brands, um, anywhere from the Nike, Adidas, the Pumas, um, and just and you know supporting artists around me. I think for me, I know I was given this gateway of artistic excellence to help others. So I want to get all the way to the tippity tippity top to keep the door open for others, right? And so I become almost like a business case study, like people, this has never happened for artists. How is this happening? So. I want to be able to set the price and the table and say, if you want to hear my story, you're going to pay me X, Y, Z, and then I'll teach you. Um, walk into these different corporations and teach them how to reach artists that are have supreme talent, but they don't have the exposure. And how to reach back and find other people like Melissa Mitchell's in, you know, Fairburn, Georgia. You know, um, and so I think for me, I know that I've been given this, uh, given this tap from the heavens to open up the doors of hope and enthusiasm. Um, when it comes to just finding a purpose in life. And I didn't find this purpose until I was like 32, 33, you know, so I'm just a couple of years into it. So I know the sky is not even the limit for what can really happen. Yes. Speak on it. The magic of the thirties. Y'all do not be afraid of getting yes. older. It's yes. later. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, get that. I got yes. that from Bevy Smith. I'll never forget that. It gets greater oh, later. Oh, honey, we got we to gotta add yes. that one. Yes. Greater later. Greater later. Yes. So one thing I forgot to ask, let me know if you, you want us to cut this out, but when it comes to okay. like brand collaboration, so are you also doing a revenue share with these brands when you do that? Um, That I can't really talk okay, about. Okay. But I say, <laughs> yeah, but I do think when you go into the room with um, large brands, know your price. Um, I always say start high. Let's just say I, like, I want a million dollars. I'm like, okay, girl, don't we all? You know, you start you start high, and then you find a, a number that you're comfortable mm-hmm. with. So you may come in with a million dollar mindset, but be okay with walking away with twenty five hundred. You know, with, with two hundred fifty thousand. Yes. Because for as an artist, it didn't cost me anything really to make this design. But I also know my value and my bandwidth as a you know as an influencer that I can create I can create twelve million dollars worth of value from this ten dollar design that I made in my baby. Yes. You know what I mean? So it's it's knowing your price, what you're comfortable with. Don't feel cheated when you walk away. Um and then get your really, really good trademark lawyer um to make sure that it's ironclad. So if you don't get the number you want and still get maybe get ownership in it. So if you don't give me a million dollars, I want point 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 three percent of every sale, even if that's a dollar. That's a dollar that your grandchildren will still be able to see for the rest of your life. Talk about you it. Legacy, I mean? legacy building. Yes, yes, yes. And that reminded me of, you know, you mentioned it might have cost you X amount to make it, but your creativity is priceless. Like you can't put a Absolutely. dollar sign on that. And I'm wondering, how do you stay inspired to come up with these fresh designs? So like even this weekend, I'm always studying different um, cultures. So I read a book called um, They Were Here Before Columbus by Ivan Van Sertima. And so it talks about the Africans that were already in the quote unquote United States. And so it talks about this current that came from South, you know, from the, from the border of the, the edge of Africa. I want to say it's either West Africa or South Africa, but anyway, it came directly to the States. And so during that time, um, the people that were native in the land here, they were so fascinated by these Africans that were big with all these features. So in the book, he had photos of the, you know, the different heads that were, you know, in Mexico, you see the Aztec heads, all these different huge clay masks. And so I was so drawn to this story that I now create these masks as part of my work. And so my inspiration doesn't necessarily come from other art, but it comes from information. Um, so I might be studying the the, the the climate change that's happening in South Florida. Um, you know, so I might be thinking about oceans. So all of my work might be blue from here until the end of the year. 
Or like right now we're talking about Toni Morrison. She's talking about love. I might be doing little hearts and stuff. So it's really all about what's inspiring me and what's pulling on my spirit when I read things. I ride around, of course, and look at different murals. Um, I go to art shows. I study mandalas. I study patterns. Of course, I follow some people online, but I try not to look online too much because then you'll start mirroring stuff or having artists in, in be like, well, how's she selling that for 10 grand? I don't even look like that. You know, so you got to be careful. Um, you got to be careful when you're you're developing your brand um, and your artwork is that you don't look online too much because then you'll start trying to mimic what other people are doing. And so for me, I just stay inspired by kind of staying isolated and really, really doing a lot of reading and listening um, and just developing my subconscious mind so I can just ask God for a fresh wind. I say, God, I need some new ideas. I need something. And eventually it'll just come. So it's just, it's a weird spiritual process, but I think that's what, that's what has kept me through all of this. It's just be really, really relying on God for fresh ideas. I love that. And I, I wholeheartedly believe in that isolation part as well. And in, in terms yeah. of like not mm-hmm. looking at other people, you know, cause yeah. you'll get caught up in comparison, which is a trap. Mm-hmm. You know, quickest way to just feel down on yourself. So just really mm-hmm. focusing, staying in your lane and keeping the main thing, the main thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to jump into a lightning round. This is where you answer the very first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Number one, what's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? I mean, this is cliche, but I really believe that Instagram has been a vital tool. And I think a lot of people don't use it as well as they should. Um, I have a very unique formula of sharing parts of my story. Uh, I give you something inspirational. I give you something humorous. And I give you something that will spark creativity. And I usually post everything in threes every single day. Um, so I may give you a scripture. I may give you something that gives you hope. And then I may put something funny about, you know, me and somebody's son. And then I may also put something up that gives you kind of like inspiration, like, oh, look at this butterfly. You've never seen it. And I think that what I have done with social media as a whole, I've curated my story to where you every day you're like, let me see what Melissa's talking about. You know, um, I've become a part of people's story. And I think as you build a brand, you want people to be uh, be a part of who you are and your story. So, you know, I bought, her, I bought that shirt the day she was talking about. She was sad about her dad. I bought a shirt that day. So it's like, as you share bits and pieces of your story, people feel like they're on a ride with you. So every day they want to like, what, what are we doing today? What are we going today? You know? Um, so I think you really have to creatively use social media to your advantage. Number two, what's been the best business book or podcast episode or live event that you've consumed this year, learned the most from? Goodness, that's like such a huge question. In terms of podcasts, I am a huge Guy Raz fan, um, How I Built This. Um, like the story of the Chesapeake Candle story, the story of Bumble, the story of um, Shopify. Um, I'm a huge person that wants to know how you do it, right? Because I know my story is interesting. I said, I wonder how they did it. And so just to hear how people have persevered through life challenges, through life relationship changes, um, how they have they pushed through and still came out on the other end with a billion dollar idea. Um, a re- two really good books. And I'm not huge on business books as much as I am on huge self-development books. Um, I really, really like the book by Joseph Murphy called The Power of the Subconscious Mind. I think a lot of times people are so busy trying to make money and trying to create wealth and do all these things that they forget to really develop self. And that's every day. If you really, really understand what's going on when everything is quiet in the world, you can really master success. And so I think that for me, when I control the inner voice, they still cheer me on, even when I'm on autopilot. I think that's what's important as a business owner, especially as a side hustler, because 
in your mind, like, girl, I ain't gonna never make it. This ain't gonna work. If you're telling yourself that when nobody else is talking, guess what? You ain't gonna be nobody. You're not gonna make it. You're not gonna be successful. But if you master that subconscious voice, you're a winner and you're always gonna win. Nothing you in, nothing you enter, you will come out a loser. Like if you're telling yourself that all the time, guess what? It's gonna have to come to life. That's like the the theory of this life, right? And so books like that, um, and also like the Game of Life by, and How to Play It by Florence Scovelshin. Um, she's amazing too. Um, and there's an app called You Are Creators. She really, really talks about manifesting and pulling out your best self. Um, those are the kind of things that I feed myself daily to give me the hope to keep going. Say, child, they did. I know I could do it too. <laughs> you know. Um, and so those are the kind of things that I use. All right. Um, number three. What is a non-negotiable part of your day? Um, nobody can disturb me on my way to work. I don't like to start my morning with anybody else's voice, but God and my own. So my boyfriend knows I can't call you till after eight thirty. My mom and sister know they're like, I, I hate to bother you, but I said, uh, why are you calling me? What's going on? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it, it, it's really like, Hey, I've made everybody respect what I'm doing. So I'm con- even if I ride in the car in silence, I need time to talk to God as soon as I wake up. So it's a cup of water, my vitamins, and some words. I have, uh, you know, I have podcast playing even as I'm taking a shower. I'm feeding my my billion dollar mindset as soon as I wake up. Um, so that's my non-negotiable. Yes. All right. Number four. What is a personal habit other than that that has helped you significantly <laughs> in your business? Um, I think for me. I don't put myself on like a diet, and I don't put myself on a budget. And I know it sounds weird, but if I feel like I want to celebrate myself, I said I need to do that. I've learned to celebrate even the smallest victories. Like my debit card came the other day. I was like, I'm going to eat some Mexican food. This is a this is a victory, you know. I celebrate the <laughs> right. I celebrate the small things because I feel like I feel like people get so caught up in I can't do this until I get married or I can't do this until I make a million dollars and so. I'm very like, you know what? I'm going to get the food I want. I'm going to buy a pair of new shoes in my favorite boutique and I'm going to do it, you know? And I think sometimes we put ourselves in these little boxes. Like, oh, no, no, no. It's not Wednesday. I can't go get, you know, I can't go get my favorite this. I'm like, girl, just go. It's Tuesday. Just go, you know, whatever. And so I think for me, I'm very like, I'm just going to get in the car and ride with all the windows down and play, uh, and just play some loud, you know, jazz music. You know, I indulge when I can. And I don't put myself in a box for that. Like yesterday, I was so emotional trying to paint. I just went outside and sat my, my feet on the ground. Like, I just need a minute. You know, there's no rules to it. I think we try to give ourselves too many rules to manifest our dreams. Like there's no special way to do it. You just have to do what makes sense for you. And then finally, what is your parting advice for fellow women side hustlers who may be discouraged, not sure how to grow their side hustle while they're still working? Um, That's a great question. I think that, it goes back to believing that you can do it. Um, I think a lot of times we get caught up in in looking at the right now and thinking this is going to be your final destination. Um, I know that even before I even took the leap to be an artist, I was afraid to do the you know to do the, all the shows, to do all these different things. But the moment I put it out there and didn't worry about how 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 it would come out, I think that's when I really empowered myself to say, you know, whether anybody buys it or not, I'm dope. And once I realized that I was dope, people started believing that I was dope, right? And so I think if personal belief starts at the top, and I think it adds value to your work, and people can pick that up. It's kind of like a dog can sense when you're scared. <laughs> it's like, oh, Lord, a dog will try to attack me. But if I come in and say, I'm not, I'm not worried about a dog. I'm not scared of it. I'm successful. I know I can do it. People are like, I want to know what she's up to. How did Melissa get that? So people are drawn to, how did she do that? And so they're drawn to your story. They're drawn to your success. 
And whatever you're selling, they're going to want to buy it anyway because they love your story. And so don't be so caught up in not making that magic number at first. I think you just really have to come up with a plan. You get you a business prayer partner, you get accountability partner, whoever that may be, your mommy, your sister, your best friend. And, 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 and speaking of friendships, your best friends don't have to be a business partner. I have friends that I haven't even been friends with that long that became my very trusted business confidant. And so you got to get you a manifesting team that's going in the same direction you are. It may not be your childhood best friend. It might be somebody you met at work that's also trying to start a candle business that you didn't know about. You know, so it's really all about trusting your intuition, and your gut with building your team um, and really, really going full, full speed ahead, ahead towards your dream um, and not being a, not being afraid to share that with one or two people. I think that's what really has helped me. Um, my, like my trademark attorney is somebody I went to school with 15 years ago. I remember us being in college, all of us jammed in a grand am. And now she's talking to me about copyrights and trademarks with my company almost 20 years later, you know. Um, so your team um, could really be people, people that you know, but you got to get outside your comfort zone to build that. And I think that's what kind of leads up to the steady paycheck, quote unquote, um, from your dream. So where can people connect with you to get more of this inspiration? So you can find me, of course, um, on MelissaAMitchell.com. That's my website. And um, don't forget the A in the middle. My parents love the extra A. So it's MelissaAMitchell.com. Um, and then also on Instagram, you can find me. I'm always running my mouth about something. Um, and that the spelling of that is A-B-E-I-L-L-E, Creations. And another fun fact, A-B-L means honeybee in French, of course. And then Melissa means honeybee in uh, Greek. And so it's actually from the word melophara, which also means honeybee. And so I wanted a, a business name that would be able to give um, homage to my parents, my parents and also still have a uh, kind of like androgynous, but, you know, ambiguous name that you wouldn't know if it's male or female, dog or cat, uh, man, you know, whoever. I wanted a name that would be, uh, have global appeal as well as have something kind of sexy for everybody else. So it is ABL Creations and I look forward to connecting with everybody. Awesome. This was a really fun episode. I actually laughed a lot and um, I wasn't even expecting that. So thank you so much for being in the yeah. chat, Melissa. And there you have it, guys. Head over to sidehustlepro.co slash Melissa A. Mitchell for all of the show notes from this episode, including the links and all the resources that Melissa mentioned. Thank you again for listening. And I will talk to you guys next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you will receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.